Hey, everybody. Really great episode of The Morning Show today. We talk about the Fed meeting that's happening today and what Jerome Powell and the gang over the Fed is going to do. The anticipated result is a 25 basis point rate hike. The question is, will uh, the speech be hawkish or dovish? So we dive deep into that, what it means for the crypto market, what it means for NFTs. We also have our segment, Rugs and Acquisitions, which uh, it's going to get us in trouble, but we talk about an NFT project and what the value would be for someone to come in and acquire it. Overall, it's a great show. The show is sponsored by our free NFT platform. Sign up at the nifty.com, T-H-E-N-I-F-T-Y.com. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Today is Wednesday, March 22nd, and you have tuned into the NFT Morning Show. If it's your first time listening, we run this show Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 10, 15 a.m. Eastern Time, each and every week, where we discuss all things NFTs, crypto, technology, finance, gaming, entertainment, and everything in between. I'm your host, P.O., here with my co-host, Nifty Nick, the, the meme himself. I used to call him the funniest man in the business. Now I guess he's the funniest meme in the business. Love seeing Nick literally go viral on crypto Twitter, NFT Twitter, and maybe even a little bit beyond. We got Kix, the CEO of Crypto Raiders, the founder and or, or you know showrunner or whatever you want to call it, game runner of Cyber Stadium. Game master of Cyber Stadium next week. That makes it sound like people are fanning you with big leaves kicks. Is that is that what's happening? God damn right they are. <laughs> he's a co-founder at the Nifty. Most importantly, he's an NFT maxi. He's a, a, cra- a bunch of dudes in speedos. If you mispronunciate it properly, <laughs> <laughs> gotta love gotta love the funniest meme in the industry. Chiming in, uh, kicks is an intelligent degenerate. He makes big bets, gets wrecked all the time, but does it with a smile on his face. Signal, coder turned content creator, the host of Artist Spotlight at the Nifty, the former author of the Nifty Daily Digest. She graduated from that. She said, nah, I'm, I'm big shit now. I don't need to do that Nifty Daily Digest. Love watching Signal grow as a content creator. Love hearing her very sophisticated takes and market analysis of the NFT space. Easy Eats Bodega. The founder of Bodago, soon to hit a blockchain near you, you, the host of Web3 Made Easy, the host of GMGM Market Top, uh, a rising blockchain gamer, apparently, dominating gaming streams, performing in competitions. Uh, And last but not least, we have Bunny. Bunny, it just says that you're here to claim the free NFT. Yeah, do we have a code yet for that thing? Buddy, is that the only reason you're showing up? Dude, I'm getting a free NFT every day. This is great. I love free NFT. The only thing NFT MFers love more than NFTs is more NFTs. I think I think you're right, and that is part of our thesis. Uh, but you know, we'll, we'll see if you get a free NFT today. I'm I'm a little bit hurt that you only showed up today for the free NFT. Oh, and and what a pleasure it is. Uh, last but not least, usually Bunny's the last one, but we got a, a little bit of a, a late joining with an Olympic jacket on. My goodness, this guy is an athlete. Ladies and gentlemen, it's Spencer of Spencer Ventures. Absolutely love having Spencer on the show, representing for institutional capital. This is a perfect day to have him, given the Fed meeting. Uh, bachelor's in economics from the University of Chicago. Big brain on this guy. Uh, and apparently- I knew this guy was Keynesian. Keynesian economics and apparently a really badass uh, athlete as well 
um, representing for the Olympic team today. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a lot to talk about today. I mean, I already mentioned the Fed meeting. That's a big deal. Uh, we'll also cover another big Polygon partnership that happened uh, and a new edition of the new segment, RNA. That's Rugs and Acquisitions. Uh, we also are going to be pinning a new NYC, NFT NYC. That's, uh, you know, the New York NFT conference, the uh, interest form. We want to gauge how many people are going to be around so that we can pick the proper venue for our event and get as many people to show up as possible. So we'll pin that tweet. Definitely take a look at that. Uh, let us know if you're coming to NFT NYC and if you want to join us for our event. Nick, how you doing this morning, buddy? Well, I slept more than five hours, so that that's feeling pretty good. Do we have nine-hour Nick? I don't, know, I don't think we have nine-hour. I think we have eight-hour Nick. That's, uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. Which which is decent. Um, with with a little bit of a crink in my neck. I you know two nights ago I slept uh, uncomfortably for some reason I don't know. And I you know one night through it's mostly recovered, but a uh, huge challenge in my life. Pio just sleeping. Uh, Kicks, can we get a, an impression of old man Nick having a crink in his neck? Is that possible, Kicks? Oh man, my neck's just killing me today. <laughs> Yeah, I don't even know if I can hold up the mic. To my left hand. I'm just gonna tape it. I'm gonna just. That sounds like jerky boys. Uh, <laughs> sounds like jerky. that. Sounds just like <laughs> that. That was exactly what I was looking for. Cakes always delivers. Uh, Signal. How are you this morning? Oh man, I laughed this morning when I opened my Twitter and saw what <laughs> Punk Six Five Two Nine had shared Nick's uh, picture. And you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of like. Old money versus new money. When old money gets really annoyed that like the nouveau riche are here <laughs> and they're just going all over their territory, turning up with yachts, Rolexes, jumpers with punks. And I don't know, I'm just getting the feeling it's a bit of like old money versus new money happening on the timeline. But I am so happy that that, that, that photo has gone uh, viral because- <laughs> You know what's hilarious is that Nix literally sees the memes from him. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Love it. I, I bet you didn't see that coming, 6529. Put that in your, your pipe and smoke it. Anyway, uh, look, ladies and gentlemen, today's show is sponsored by our NFT platform, our free NFT platform. You can sign up and make an account at the nifty.com, T-H-E-N-I-F-T-Y.com. It'll also put you on our newsletter email list so you can stay up to date with everything going on in the NFT world. No promises that we have a free NFT drop today. Uh, anyway, getting right into it, why don't we go to Kicks for the weather report. Kicks, please take it away. You're muted, buddy. He's going to make it. Hey, don't worry. I'm going to make it, man. Really excited that today's my day to do the weather report. Really hoping my audio's intact. You sound great. Good. Oh, man, that makes me really feel good. Today is Wednesday, the 22nd of March, 2023. Total market volume coming in at $69 million. We love that number. Blur is 50 of it. OpenSea is 13 of it. Looking at the leaders, apes down below 60, 58.2. Uh, mutants fighting to hold on to 13. Punks all the way back down to 62.6. They got Blur Farm. Azuki's 13.3. Pudgies, 4.5. Captain's 4.3. Moonbirds, just below 4. Same with Doodles at 3.8. Over the past 24 hours, Magic Eden is now on Bitcoin. The marketplace opened with 70-plus collections, a range of supported non-custodial wallets, and no royalty enforcement. Look at that. Ordinals getting legit marketplaces pretty quickly. 
Rug Radio announced Stubbs in partnership with Fair XYZ. The goal is to reward supporters of GM Web3 Show, during which listeners who hold any Rug Radio asset or DGEN's access pass can use a password to claim a Stubbs Mint Pass. Notable sales across the market yesterday included a D-Gods Ordinal, which sold for 100K, and 137 utes were swept for almost a half a million dollars, 415K. It's a lot of action in Frankville. Lastly, on to gaming, Nexon, one of the world's largest game publishers, announced it will build a dedicated application-specific Polygon Supernet to power MapleStory Universe. Also, CCP, not China, games, uh, they are pioneering new virtual world and digital economies in the EVE universe. They secured $40 million for a new AAA MMO Web3 game that will happen in EVE universe. That round was led by A16Z. That's probably the most legit game studio to be coming and officially building on the blockchain. Quickly looking at crypto, we got Bitcoin 28.2, ETH hanging on to 1,800, Solana 22.4, eight just above four, Blur 58 cents. Crypto's up, going into a big Fed meeting today. Back to you in the studio. Thanks for that wonderful weather report, Kicks. Uh, that was fun to listen to as usual. Uh, some other updates from our newsletter, the Nifty Daily Digest. As I mentioned before, you can subscribe at the Nifty.com, T H E N I F T Y.com. Russia announced that they intend to use the Chinese. Is it Yuan? I just Googled it. It's not yen, it's Yuan. Yeah, yen would be Japanese, P.O. Yeah. Instead of U.S. dollars to settle trade with Asia, Africa, and Latin America. Texas Senator Ted Cruz introduced a bill to prohibit the Federal Reserve from adopting a central bank digital currency, a CBDC. This comes after uh, the... Um, uh, after what's his name, uh, DeSantis basically said the same thing about Florida. Magic Eden announced that users can now safely trade Bitcoin collectibles on the first audited marketplace built on Bitcoin ordinals. Very, very interesting stuff. Pudgy Penguins has filed trademarks to expand its in-real-life business to include candy, cereal, comic books, and more. Last and but not cereal snacks, not just cereal. <laughs> Last but not least, Polygon announced that Nexon, Korea's largest largest gaming developer and publisher will launch on Polygon. I think Kix just covered that. Those are your updates from the Nifty Daily Digest. Again, subscribe at thenifty.com. Nick, what would you like to dive into first? Mm, that's a good uh, That's a good question here, P.O. Um, is my mic coming through properly? Yes. I hope yes. Excellent. Uh, well, there's a number of things here. Uh, big, just huge news coming out of China right now. Uh, Nexon. Uh, I don't know, you know, no, uh, that's not out of China. Um, but, uh, that came out of Kix's mouth. I think that's we should, it's a funny joke. Cause CCP is, you know, the Let's exact see. same acronym. Two These guys, I think they're out of some Nordic country, uh, maybe Sweden, but I'm not sure. Iceland. Definitely. I'm pretty Iceland. sure CCP is Iceland and next one is, uh, Korea, South Korea. Iceland is not Nordic. <laughs> It's pretty damn close. Honestly, if there was a, a new world war, I think they would align themselves with the Nordic well, Alliance. I think so let's they would. pause right there, geniuses, and let's get into the economics conversation that we're all, all clearly prepared to discuss. Can we agree on that? It's closer to a Nordic country than Greenland. Can we agree on that? Uh, 
Yes. Anyways, EVE Online, massive game. Absolutely massive game. It's been around for 20 plus years. After I quit my first startup, I played it 12 hours a day for a month <laughs> and then realized I'll be a loser the rest of my life if I keep doing this. Immediately quit the game, but it was a blast for a month. It literally has a digital economy where like, it's fully functional. It's been running for 20 plus years. People blow up. They send out monthly shit. economic reports on the state of the economy yes. in that game. It's like wild. I was reading last night, like full breakdowns, 20 page economic so, reports of the EVE online ecosystem. So does Second Life. And let me tell you, their report in summary each, each month is depression. So well, let's, EVE is uh, actually still like popular. Uh, Second Life is no longer. Yeah. Um, so a couple of things. I do want to discuss the market. Uh, ETH, dude, the weekly has been the thing that I've been looking at here. Um, if you check out the weekly chart on ETH, um, this has been, and maybe I can actually share it now. Um, the uh, the, the weekly chart. off your 27th line? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay, it is. That is, what, that is what's going on. Um, so essentially what we have here, there are a lot of lines. Uh, but, um, there's this one range, uh, that I've been interested in is right around at, uh, 1789. It keeps going up and then getting rejected and it keeps hovering below this. You got to technically wait for the close of the weekly for confirmation. Um, but it's looking pretty promising. That said, uh, I'm expecting the fed to raise interest rates. Unlike, uh, Bology who's expecting them to literally reduce in, uh, interest rates down to zero imminently, um, thus sending Bitcoin to a million dollars, which it would. I mean, it probably would. If, if, what if they just took interest rates down to zero? <laughs> <laughs> We're all just like, holy shit. <laughs> what do we even fucking do? Long it. Long everything. Um, so... so uh, that's that's the main takeaway from this chart. So basically, um, pur purple purple range good. Purple range is what you're looking for. I, and what's I, that I, between? I, uh, that goes all the way up to uh, 1929. So you could get a nice little nice little 10 percent gainer there uh, if you uh, were to uh, buy in if the weekly closes above this. It's been ranging above it. If you don't want to wait, um, it's interesting. Let me just tell you though. I've been rejected uh, watching it go above. You, you've seen multiple attempts here for yeah. it to, to hit those levels. That level just, just is... August of last year, we were above here, and we were like more bearish then, and now we're like hyperinflation, new digital paradigm, and we're still like 5% off the August highs. Well, the real, the real question is just like, is the Fed going to, uh, what, what does the market have priced in actually would be the best way of saying it is uh, my sort of interpretation. The, from what I was reading, it seems like people anticipate a quarter percent hike. I don't know what, uh, Spencer, what, what, what have uh, you been reading at the uh, London School of Economics? Uh, that's Signal, but uh, my, uh, I, I've been reading... Uh, if we're reading, I mean, look, I think the consensus is a 25 basis point hike right now. Mm -hmm. uh, basically, what, what does that mean? It means that like previously we were pricing in a 50 basis point hike with a lot of certainty. Um, the banking crisis, people think that people that the Fed will slow the rate of increase. It would be very shocking if they did not increase. And it, I, I don't see a world in which they decrease. Um, I, I also don't really see a world in which they stop increasing. Here's the real problem. They're kind of the, the Fed right now is stuck between a rock and a hard place, mm -hmm. which is that 
like inflation, they're finally starting to get under control. But when I say starting, I mean like very slightly starting, right? Like we're still at like four or five, six percent inflation. Like it's 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 pretty, pretty bad, right? Because their target is two percent and we're at double the triple that, depending on how you're thinking about inflation. Um now that being said, their actions have kind of caused this banking crisis, right? And that's not not a very good, right? <laughs> so what uh what what do you do? Well, usually when you cause a crisis, if you're the Fed, you lower interest rates. But if you're lowering interest rates, then you've sort of given up on fighting inflation. And they can't really do that. And I think you you, you cannot overprice the degree to which Jerome Powell feels his professional career and his legacy is entirely staked on getting the interest rate back to 2%. And if he's got to cause inflation rate, banking crisis, yeah, sorry, inflation back to 2%. Um, if he's got to cause a couple of little banking crises along the way, like, eh, you know, whatever, right? So I think the thing that I'm really looking for here, um, now, if they go to a half a percent, so 50 basis points, that also would be way outside of expectations currently. Um, and I think there, there's some world in which they do that to send a strong signal. Mm. But that that strong signal to me is a signal to pull your money out of the bank. Because <laughs> banks are going to collapse if they do that, right? Like, we see large-scale bank failures in the event where they do that. There may be some outside case where they do something like uh, announce they'll buy all uh, treasuries at par and also do a 50 basis point hike. I think that's less likely. I think what's more likely is that they do 25 basis point hike. And the question is, do they have a hawkish or dovish uh, press conference, right? And so this is the really bigger variable, which is I kind of expect a dovish Fed meeting mm. because because they they need to give people confidence to not do a bank run, right? And I think that's the big thing here. They could go they could go hawkish. They could say, "Hey, we're decreasing, we're increasing only twenty five. We wanted to do fifty, but we got to keep everyone's expectations in line, so we're going to come down really hard." Um, I don't know what the right answer is here. I just I, I'm sure as heck I'm happy that I didn't go work as a Fed. <laughs> this sounds like a terrible position to be in, right? They're really I don't envy them at all. Um, but I think it will be interesting to see and expect a ton of volatility around the conference because that's what everyone I've heard a lot of mixed opinions on. That's what everyone doesn't really know what's going to happen. And so to to kind of summarize that, it sounds like a 25 basis, basis point hike is all but priced in. And the big question is whether uh, Jerome tells us to brace for pain, right? Uh, I mean, I don't yeah. think he's going to say that. Or if he's a bit more dovish. Uh, go ahead, Nick. So the real question that everyone cares about is, is not, you know, uh, my economic tapes, even though I went to uh, the D.C. school of... <laughs> hard knocks and economics in case y'all are wondering. And, uh, the thing that, uh, I think they're instead wondering is what's the exposure, what's the play here. And, uh, my interpretation, I think you posted a tweet Spencer potentially about, um, uh, basically just sitting out of the market for the, for the, the time being. You also thought that, uh, NFTs, you have a relatively net bearish position on this. Um, I see, I mean, ETH, crypto is pumping into this meeting. What, what's the, uh, like, the, either Spencer and or any, pretty much anybody um, that's on this stage, do you have any positions moving into this? Be, be careful about this pump. Because one of the things about this pump is that people are pricing in what if they do a zero basis point hike or negative mm -hmm. hike, right? And if they hiked negatively, then 
what you would see is a crazy crypto run, right? Yeah. So if you're pricing in like a 2x on the price of ETH, if we decrease interest rates, then like that will skew numbers if the consensus thing happens, right? So if you're pricing in 85%, they go 25 basis points and like 5%, they do zero or negative. But the zero or negative is a two to three X expected price impact. Then like the, they may hike 25 basis points and we kind of say flat on, on ETH, right? Um, and this is just because that narrative, you know, the Balaji like million, billion, million dollar uh, Bitcoin thing, right? Like, that that's a scenario that like is is what people think may happen in a negative interest rate environment. So I'd just say be very careful. I think look, let us understand two things. One, NFTs tend to be trading like short ETH volatility, and so like there's just a lot of expected volatility. But that volatility may not happen. It may be that like 85 percent uh, from the bond market pricing and a 25 basis point hike is just priced in. We get a 25 basis point hike. No one really cares about the press conference, and we just kind of drift between I'd say 17 to 18. 50, like somewhere in that range, maybe 1800, 1700. That's great. If we just spend the next few months ranging, fantastic. That's really good for NFTs. The thing that I think people are less cognizant of is um, this is something that I used to do when I used to farm blur bids aggressively is I would always yank all of my bids going into a Fed meeting. Why? Because you don't want to be having bid blur bids out during volatility. And so there's an expected volatility today that's very extreme. You'll see already the bid depth on Blur is way, 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 way down from what it was yesterday, two days ago, right? And so um, don't panic. It's not the end of the world. But like, I wouldn't be looking to exit my NFT positions today. Um, and especially if ETH runs, like you're going to see people, if ETH runs too hard up, you're going to see people FOMO into ETH by selling NFTs to buy ETH. Mm. If ETH runs too far down, people will think it's going to be the end of the world and sell their NFTs to buy ETH. <laughs> Either way, yeah. they're going to sell their NFTs to buy ETH. And so the only way where people don't mass sell their NFTs to buy ETH is if like it's just kind of a nothing burger today. And so if you're a big NFT bag holder like myself, I think what you're thinking about today is please have this be a nothing burger so we can just drift. Right? And the best period of time was that like two months from like, you know, December January, where we were just at 1200 for quite a while, and you saw everything just kind of crapped up in ETH prices. Is is a nothing burger 25 basis points and hawkish? I think an, uh, a nothing burger is 25 basis points and dovish. Okay. I think that's kind of what people are expecting. I could be wrong. That's like, I have less confidence in what the market is pricing in for the press conference, but also like, I'm not sure if it matters five days out. The press conference is more of like a today volatility thing. Fair enough. Easy. A any thoughts on how you're approaching this? How what are you doing? I'm in the same boat. Like I'm liquid ETH uh, with a little bit of stables, but like I'm still just holding ETH. I'm tempted to sell into the actual FOMC meeting itself. Even if I don't capture the full upside, I'm up on the ETH trade right now. So like I'm more comfortable there. I'm not buying NFTs at the moment. I think that that's probably the worst thing that you can do in the current market. Uh, just based solely on the fact that like we don't know what's about to happen next. Um, I think Spencer's spot on though. Like we get dovish news. I do think that we continue to rally, not the hardest, but hard enough for us to be like, oh, this this is solid for like a run up. And I think a lot more people will end up exiting the position for a retrace. You tend to see both sides of a singular candle host the FOMC meeting, and that's kind of like how I'm looking at it. But I, I completely agree with Spencer. I think right now, risk off. 
not entirely, but risk off for a short period of time is not the worst play going into these. And even just sitting and not acting like on a gut decision or immediate decision based on what the Fed says right here. If they go 50 BPS points, though, I think we're we're in for some serious bleeding. That's like my big concern is if we get a 50 BPS. Anything else, I'm like, all right, I'm fine with my exposure. Dude, drop the hammer, man. (laughs) Will Jerome Powell drop the hammer? But we, we may go as far back as where we were in January. <laughs> yeah, $1,200 ETH. Oh. But like, people will be furious. Imagine $1,200 ETH. Imagine if by the end of the day you were $1,200 ETH. Oh, my God. I'd be so happy, though, because I'd buy some more. Yeah, I would just deploy USDC. Like, I'd be fine buying that, which is like... And then I, there's a 0% chance we go 100 BPS or even 75. If that happens, shit hits the fan. Are we are we setting up a yeah. curb your enthusiasm meme right now where uh, essentially we're all saying, yeah, I'd definitely buy more at twelve hundred, then the government comes in and just bans crypto. Like is that is that what is, it, is that what we're setting up for? Balaji so says so. being like, Well, that was dumb. Balaji <laughs> so launched the C B D C and we're all just like, Oh fuck. well, that, that panned out completely how we were not expecting. Well, and there's the whole like Biden thing that came out where or like the, the they point. published the the crypto thing. Which was essentially like this entire propaganda piece about how crypto sucks. Like I don't you know, know it, it's, it's no better than fiat is what they said. Like that was the wildest what, sentence I've read. Like, well, okay, so like it's no better than fiat, but you guys just keep printing the shit out of it. it well, it's just offensive the statements. And then there was I saw this um, clip on uh, like TikTok with John Stewart interviewing uh, Larry Summers about like inflation and he was like basically saying like hey do corporations hold any responsibility in this with price gouging because during uh, covid that was like a lot of the corporations had huge profits because they were just arbitrarily increasing prices and people would pay it they're like we're increasingly incredibly profitable and that goes into the cpi right like when you end up looking at those different numbers and so uh and larry summers was like no no, I mean they do a great job and they deserve it. And uh, and he and and uh, John Stewart like replied said something that was like, okay, let's flip this. He was like, so if I'm an employee and I want to increase my wages because there's more demand for my effort, do you think that that's fair? You, you, what you're essentially saying is that's not fair, though. And he's like, I'm not saying that, but essentially he what like yeah. Uh, John Stewart it, will put you in a corner and pin you down. And it was just like the weirdest, uh, the weirdest interaction. And the way he was articulating this whole, I'm like becoming a conspiracy theorist. Like it, like as time goes on here, uh, not not like conspiracy really, but it's just theorists like, are just aware of what's actually going on. Uh, okay, well, so, I'm so well, I think I think so. There's another interesting thing like about what you're talking about, Nick, which is that, um. I think there's a tacit like back and forth right now of, of like, like in the U S we don't tend to have two political parties that end up with the same view. Right. Yeah. So it feels to me a little bit like the democratic party is coming hard anti-crypto. We've seen some Republican individuals come hard anti-crypto, but yet Trump has Trump NFTs. Right. And I think like, I don't know, I'm of the view that I think based on. You also just- have DeSantis calling for no CBDCs. He's like, ban that shit. Like he's always been very outspoken around crypto and like very like dude, Florida has great crypto rules. Exactly. Right. And so like and, you know, you got to look at the political environment right now within the country. I think it's, a, you know, who knows? It's too early to say, but I think it will be challenging for a Democrat to win the upcoming presidential election, given the current economy, given, you know, kind of 
general sentiment around like even gas prices, et cetera. Like if you go to most parts of the country um, on gas pumps, there's a picture, a sticker of Biden saying, I did this pointing to the number. <laughs> and I, I, like That's the most bearish thing for an election I've ever seen in my view. Like I, I just, I, I think that there's a very reasonable chance that we see the government for the next like year or so look like it's really anti-crypto. And then we see a 180 as it becomes popular for the like, challenging party to take a, a contrarian view on that and so i'm not as bearish as everyone when when i see this stuff coming out because i think that this is just setting the stage for like a partisan battle over crypto and like th that will push one of the parties to be pro crypto i think so uh if i could chime in real quick when i spoke with nick carter last week on the bitcoin show and he's the author of the article titled operation choke point pointing out uh, or he was speculating that there was a concerted effort by government organizations to uh you know just come out against crypto and then obviously it's been confirmed since he wrote that article in january he's now saying it's not choke point it's basically a beheading it's a decapitation it's a guillotine um and he said that yeah a thousand percent like the democratic party just flat out is not a crypto friendly party and the republican party is so it doesn't matter like what what political beliefs you have that's just the present day fact of the matter if you got president aoc in the future don't don't think that that's going to be a crypto friendly administration whereas you see someone like desantis uh operating the way that he is, it, it basically says it all. Trump too. I mean, he, Trump has said weird things like oh, Bitcoin's a scam, but he also just says random shit. Like Spencer said, he had NFTs and no, I mean, he really does just like say random shit. And I feel like if one guy comes up to Trump and goes, no, Trump, we like crypto. He's like, oh, crypto's great. It's fantastic. Okay, let me tell you. Bitcoin's a scam. The only real currency is Trump digital trading cards. <laughs> We're gonna print oh, that, so that, many that was the worst accent I've heard out of everyone. On that. He'll <laughs> make that Trump coin. He'll make Trump coin. Don't get it twisted. He'll make it. Signal, it looked like you wanted to say something. Yeah, well, I mean, what I wanted to say was on the point of what Spencer was saying about um, potentially the incumbent party might not uh, win the next election. I think that's actually going to be seen probably across most developing nations whereby life is just getting more expensive, expensive, purchasing power is going down. People are being asked to work longer. Pensions are being pushed out. Like, um, you know, longevity is getting better so people are living for longer and they're having to work longer yet their wages are going down like any government who is facing that situation is very difficult for them to win especially in this current environment but i think is what's more interesting is that you're seeing every country or you know a lot of developing countries and and developed countries coming out and saying what is their stance with crypto and it's going to be very difficult for uh, countries like the US, the UK, Europe to want to have CBDCs in place, but to have crypto alongside it. Those those two kind of like, they live together, but one also go one also go, goes against like the sovereign, the sovereign state. So it's going to be very interesting to see if A, the Republicans actually become crypto friendly, uh, and then B, to see like, will the US actually take advantage of what is happening now like we know the united states took advantage of after the second world war essentially having silicon valley and and financing that and making sure companies and talents remained in the united states and that is why the us is where it is today while other countries were much slower but we're seeing that the negative like this negative stance means they might not actually take advantage of this crypto wave and well, 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 who will that be? Will that be Japan? Will that be Korea? Will that be Russia? Will that be China? Like, I think there's a lot of moving pieces here. Um, and it's not entirely clear, like, just because 
one party is saying that they're friendly or another party is saying that they're not friendly, where this will end up in the next 12 to 24 months. Yeah. And yes, the United States is extremely important in terms of when you're looking at ETH, the number of nodes, et cetera, that the United States actually uh, holds. But if you, sorry, powers, but if you actually sort of step out and look back, it's like in the long term, does that really matter? If yeah, you have that's, other like, nation that's like states- owning like the internet, but you don't make any of the internet companies that are more, va- you yeah, know what I mean? You don't make exactly. the Google, you don't make the Snapchat, you don't make the Facebook. Exactly. So where, so like, so, so, so where will that actually move to? Um, so it's going to be very interesting. I think in just a long-term perspective, how countries um, position themselves going forward. This isn't just a battle of like who wins the next election. Yeah. Southeast Asia is my bet. Vietnam, <laughs> Vietnam, Korea. Philippines. Those are all places that I'm currently blocking from uh, accessing our site <laughs> and uh, <laughs> causing issues. Actually, there's a couple of people DMing the Nifty Portal account being like, I'm banned. And uh, I'm like, <laughs> we're like, do you happen to live I'm, in Vietnam? I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like speak, speak to your government. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, like, you should take a cheeky trip to Canada like everyone who claimed the blur area. That's true. Or download a uh, like literally, you can use a VPN That's to what, get around those systems. I'm assuming. <laughs> Brave browser. Spencer, don't tell him. Don't tell him. <laughs> that was the joke Spencer was making, Nick. People oh, didn't really God. drive their cars across oh, the Canadian. He said a cheeky trip to Canada. Okay. I guess. We were all over there with the moose and the fucking poutine, you know, and that's how we were able to claim our shit. We were eating the the foie gras. Watching the Blue Jays, baby. <laughs> watching the Blue Jays. Watching the Maple Leafs. All right, look. Last thing on the. Fed uh, and ladies and gentlemen, the, it's uh, being aired, I guess, at two thirty p.m. today. That's when the conference or the meeting is happening. Spencer, uh, let's say we get 20, 25 BPS today. Do you think that rates continue to hike later this year? I do. I think. I think that like you have to look at this as a continuation. The the, the other question is, um, you know, how do they set forward guidance and expectations, right? And so I think this is kind of Pierre, your point. And this is a good a point well taken. Is you know, they could say, all right, we're, this is a one-time thing because of our, you know, that we're decreasing. Or it may be that, okay, we expect the next six Fed meetings will only hike, you know, 25 basis points. You know, I think, look, the the the, the way that the Fed is going to see this internally is not that they sh- were wrong to hike basis, to hike the interest rate. It's that just that they hiked it too fast, right? And I think that that's a really, really important distinction because their target for their ultimate goal for uh, inflation hasn't changed. It's going to continue to be 2%. The, the really, if, if they came out and said otherwise, that would be a huge deal, right? So if they come out and they say, okay, a huge actually, bullish you know deal, right? Bullish for crypto. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if it's bullish for NFTs, but I know it's bullish for crypto, oh. maybe bullish for crypto punks. Whenever like, I say bullish, I am not talking about bullish for NFTs because there's very few things that are going to be giga bullish for NFTs, but go ahead, continue. Yeah. So like, uh, I don't know. The 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 thing I I'm I'm very curious to see how they will message. I also think that we will see a difference of opinion amongst different Fed uh, members. Where I think that like J- Jerome has been the most outspoken about sort of aggressive increases and aggressively trying to get the economy under control. Um, and so you may see him try and balance some other views on the committee. The committee might have more divergent expectations in forward guidance. No, I love the I love the perspective. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's going to be a lot of volatility today, I think. And I mean, Spencer, it sounds like you think so too. It's going to be a, a gnarly day, you know. Moving, gnarly. <laughs> ladies, I need a sound sound effect for that. 
Gnarly. Gnarly. L- ladies and gentlemen, Nick finds it like when I'm at Nick's house and we're working in the same room, he'll just suddenly say I'm breathing too loud and I'm not exaggerating, right? So it's mean, between, like literally thing about me. <laughs> What's that? My wife says the same thing about me. No, dude, like like I want to be clear, when you're literally working on your keyboard, it sounds like you're running on a on a uh, like on a treadmill okay. with the, the level of breathing that you're doing. The I'm working hard, you, Nick. I, I'm out of breath. With what you're typing on a keyboard is like. Okay. <sighs> okay. That's PO typing uh, an email. Okay. So that, I don't want to be on the receiving end of that email. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so look, I think we should talk about the Russia thing real quick. Is this operation choke point by Russia and China against the United States? Cause that's kind of gnarly shit. Unless Nick, did you want to discuss something else? Is it gnarly? <laughs> uh, so I'm going to of- bring out a new word. And after I say it three times, you can be I like, all you say wait. is that. I cannot wait, dude. This is like a vocabulary test. Don't, don't uh, get me wrong. There's some words that I use on a, a consistent basis and there's uh, a distinction know. is one of nick's a uh, nickism okay well um yeah there, there's a lot of different I, I, many people call me an evolved man that's why you've seen that uh meme the spreading meme. around is uh a lot of people have been just in, uh, using that as an image to show uh the existence of a perfect man and so I really appreciate that don't check any of the quote tweets on that tweet by the way though because uh you it may it may um, differ from the statement that I'm making. Uh, is there literally anything else going on in NFTs at this moment? That, that before before we get it's been weirdly quiet, to be honest. Like, dude, the, the volume on ETH is like just sad. Like right now, there's certainly plays otherwhere. We have the Arbitrum airdrop tomorrow going on. Uh, obviously, like there's some plays cooking on Polygon this week. A few PFP projects trying to get legs and launching. Solana still has decent volume. We're seven days in a row of over 100K, and there's projects moving right there. Clinosaurs just did another IRL redeemable. That's now sitting at a 60 sold floor. So if you were able to attend their party, basically just got gifted 1100 bucks at a bare minimum. So kudos to them. The free cash is uh, is coming for some people. What What's the latest on that Arbitrum airdrop? Was anyone able drops to claim tomorrow. that? Yeah, I got 7,200 of them. And how much is that expected to be? Uh, Like 8,000, I think. Above a dollar a pop. Yeah, they're buying OTC right now for a dollar twenty-five. Just another day day at work for easy. Hey, listen, I'm on the ground floor, baby. We're working. There's uh, did you get, there's, that, did you get that farm in Beacon? Uh, yeah. In well, Beacon. I was playing. I was also trading on GMX, like their market. They're like, was that on one wallet? You got seventy-two. Yeah, dude. It that's, banned that's my, all, banned all my NFT wallets. Every single NFT wallet I got blacklisted on that like hyper trades NFTs. And I guess there was like a bunch of other wallets who were like active in the NFT space that got blacklisted. But I had one wallet that was just for leverage trading crypto because like I had just been using it because I liked Arbitrum's gas fees on it and like a completely on-chain trading. And that wallet was the only one that got allowed on the airdrop. So I was like, that's actually absolutely crazy because all my other ones that I've done like bridging and everything else on all got blacklisted. So I was like, what is going on with that? There is another opportunity for airdrops with ZK Sync that's coming up. And SWE, just, they just deleted their tweet that said no airdrop. And now the belief is that they're going to be doing an ICO for early participants at a very cheap price in comparison oh, to the public offering. Dude, all these sinks and snarks, man. You got <laughs> to you, you got, you got be careful on the streets when you're watching that's out for those guys. Say? I was going to say that um, I have large NFT trading wallets that are receiving the Arbitrum airdrop though. And Bastard. so um, 
but I will say I made a little bit of a mistake, which I thought that they would he- be more heavily indexed on volume on Arbitrum versus uh, number, number of trend. wallets. Yeah. So for sure, the move was just make like 50 wallets and, just and do, do one thing. Of, one like thing. do one thing. Can I I'm share a quick story? Of course you can, buddy. Okay. <laughs> this one doesn't involve weed and ski slopes today. Okay. <laughs> Yesterday... I had the craziest of uh, of fishing attempts that was pretty damn good. And I and, I saw and you after, tweet about that. You didn't say anything about it. The me. problem was the thread didn't put po- dude Twitter's interface. If you post the first one, you write the thread. If you click tweet from the top, it only post the first it only one. Only post the first one. Nick, I'm gonna send you a platform if you ever decide to do threads called Typefully. It's foolproof. It. Thing is goaded. Dude, it's so ridiculous that 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 ha- so I lost everything that I wrote. And I was just like, man, fuck this. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of work to write a thread. It is. So, uh, so I'm just gonna share it real quick because I thought this was very clever, and uh, I was impressed. So, what they do is, you know, when you get notifications that set on your Mac, that uh, well, I don't know if you've gotten this, but. If someone attempts to change your password or makes a login attempt, what will happen is you're, you'll get a notification in the top right of your computer that says, like, hey, someone tried to log in as you. Uh, click here to view the location that they logged in. I clicked it, and then it was trying to get me to log in in order to see it. And I was like, ah, I don't want to deal with that. Like, uh, that, that just seems crazy. Whatever. It wasn't me, so someone's trying to get into my account. Cool. Uh, and it happened twice. Then I get a phone call. And the phone call, uh, like five minutes later, is like, hey, this is uh, Apple's user fraud department. And I was like, Apple's user fraud department? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, or Apple's uh, uh, account fraud department. And I'm like, yeah, they're paying someone to call everyone that has a fake login attempt, <laughs> like is what's going through my mind. But but uh, so I said it and he's like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, he's like He's like, check your phone. Uh, the phone number that we're calling from is the uh, official number. Is the official number, which it is. So they've spoofed the phone number of this. But like, an Apple person wouldn't ever try to verify, being like, "Bro, it's the phone number." No, it would be yeah. like some sort of like digital signature type thing. So, so like, and I went later and saw like they're they're like these are the two ways that we like verify. But he walks you through this thing. He's like, look. Uh, uh, it looks like someone attempted to log into your account. And I'm like, uh, and uh, we just wanted to verify. Otherwise, we're going to block them and prevent this from happening again and, and add a level of security to your account. And I'm like, okay, well, what's the account that it was? And they then tell me my email address. And I'm like, okay. But obviously, they knew my email address because they, they right. were attempting right. to log in. And, and that email's in like a bunch of hacked, like sort yep. of like uh, uh, databases. So uh, I'm like, all right. But it's starting to become like compelling as the guy's like telling me this this thing. And I'm like, he's doing a really good job at like uh, convincing me that this is really Apple. So what he's like, what he says is he's like, look, um, uh, I'm going to go ahead and block them. I need to verify that this is you, though. I'm going to send you a one time code right now. And uh, if you can uh, if you can verify that with me, then uh, I'll I'll uh, go ahead and block these these other people, essentially. So I get the code from the Apple uh, account, but it's obviously like they're hitting the reset thing and now it's prompting them to enter the code and they're about to do it and take over the account. And I'm like, I don't know who you are, dude. I was like, I, here's the deal. I'm going to call you back 
to the Apple uh, uh, number. He was like, well, there's going to be a long, you know, a long wait time. That's how you like know that right now. And then he was like, or what you can do. He's like, walk over to the Apple store. And I think most people don't live next to an Apple store, so they don't want the inconvenience of like going to the Apple store. I live a couple blocks from an Apple store and I'm like, all right, like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I will walk over there. I was like, I'm not giving you this code over, over the thing. And, uh, and he's like, all right, well, yeah, just uh, head over to the Apple store then, whatever. And I think a lot of people, like when he called, I was like, damn, this is like a really good uh, fishing Fish. attempt. And then he, they can send messages from your phone number, like because they have your your iMessage and everything else. They if now, you like, have passwords saved in iCloud, do they have that? I guess technically, I, I think I only have a couple there, and they could download your photos and try and uh, bribe you if you're one of the celebrities with nude photos. I guess is what. Which you are. That, you are. That, that yeah. So that's one of the. I'm now a celebrity with nude photos on iCloud. And then the uh, the uh, other situation, I was just thinking, but the text message one to me is huge because now they can go verify all of your other accounts, which I'm like, damn, that's like, I got the- I got one just like that, Nick. Except it was my bank, and they called impersonating my bank and knew details about my bank and almost had me for a second, but they called my wife's number instead of mine. So I was like, nice try, dumbass. Because <laughs> you don't have a phone number that you're reachable on. That's why you were yeah, able to protect yourself. So, exactly. <laughs> I protect myself. I'm Ladies like, and gentlemen, you- th- this is not a joke. If you call Kicks on the phone, you will never, ever get... I don't, I'm not convinced that he has a phone. I've never talked to him on the phone. He, he, he's, he picks up occasionally. Uh, yeah, but- did- for me, but the Nick response rate across the board for anyone named Nick has got to be like <laughs> sub 10%. Oh, it's brutal, dude. Dude, that is true. There is a common pattern here be, um, among yeah. Nick. The last thing I was going to say is, so I, call, I called my mom because she was recently fished. Like I told you the situation or she, she fell for a $30,000 scam, which was embarrassing. I felt bad. I was like, damn, this is, this is fucked up. Dude, the, uh, uh, Homeland Security recovered all of the money. Unreal and uh, and 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 uh, delivering it to her basically, but uh, which is Fuck so yeah. crazy. I think they should like legally be able to beat the shit out of the person that stole the money. <laughs> Dude, from anyone if you steal money from someone over the age of sixty, you should get like publicly flogged. The, like I think they should bring that back. We, uh, we I'm not all sp- for this like no violence thing. Like you should get flogged if you try to steal an old person's money. Dude, Straight we need up. specific scenarios where you can uh, commit acts of violence on people and their and their property. <laughs> One example of this, when I was living in San Francisco, I remember people that would like just park in front of a driveway, like just block the driveway or something like <laughs> that. That is, you could flog someone for that. And and, and I'd, I'd be like, are you like, what the hell? I feel yeah, like in that case, I should be able to slash through their car. You should have just T-boned their car out of the way. <laughs> Sometimes I, I think about off for work. I go, see you later, buddy. You bring their <laughs> car with you on your, on your fucking yeah, hood. <laughs> Well, I can't finish the sentence right now, but uh, when uh, 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 one other scenario of that is literally driving, uh, riding a bike in the bike lane, there's people that will park their car in front of the bike lane. And I, well, Pio and I were biking back from dinner the other night. I was like, yo, uh, I should have the right to just run into that car and cause a little bit of dam- damage, like minimal damage, just, or maybe like fly onto their car and smash their window or something like that. <laughs> Nick does that and breaks his arm. He's like, yeah, look at that car. got the worst in that one. We're show that car lesson. Anyways, uh, quick thing, P.O., about the Arbitrum airdrop. A report came out today um, from the Woo blockchain and X Explore ETH research 
uh, they're claiming 150,000 of the addresses um, in Arbitrum were sibled uh, by groups um, uh, farming this airdrop that represents 22% of the total airdrop was farmed by these uh, Sybil communities that were just farming these things. Me, I was on Arbitrum before. A lot of these Arbitrum maxis even were on the blockchain. I looked at my wallet on Arbitrum 553 days ago. I was minting Arbitrum punks, which immediately went down by 99.9%. (laughs) I'm not getting any airdrop, but I like Arbitrum. Shout out to Arbitrum and uh, hope everybody gets a nice fat airdrop. Well, there you go. Look, we're going to move on to the segment that Clemente's prepared for us, Rugs and Acquisitions. I'm convinced that this segment is Clemente trying to get us in trouble in the NFT space. The, the, the nature of this segment is implying that a project is like going to zero. It's, it is, I, I don't know if we can keep doing this, Clemente. I'm surprised. I, I'm surprised that Clemente came up with this. This is, it feels off character for him. No. So the, the prompt of this question is, this this team is doing pretty poorly. Would you buy it? <laughs> this is a preposterous segment, but let's we're running with it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we don't have an intro for it yet. I don't know if it's going to stick around. So, ladies and gentlemen, this is rugs and all acquisitions, also known as discussion of bullshit projects. Apparently, anyway, anyway, look. Uh, in this segment, we discuss the potential acquisition value of an NFT collection. We're discussing the idea that someone else should buy oh, something. Good. Oh, this is going to go over really well, ladies and gentlemen. I can't wait for this one. Uh, we're discussing whether someone else should buy something because the people running it right now aren't doing a good job. Okay. So, today's piece of shit collection <laughs> is. Yeah. So anyway, today's uh, the world of women. Okay. We will <laughs> see if someone wants to turn the ship around and think about a world of women ecosystem here's some context this this includes a whopping 30,000 nfts world of women and world of women galaxy the world of women collection itself reached a peak of 13 eth and get this uh generated nearly 10 million dollars a 10 million us dollar value in revenue from royalties World of Women Galaxy minted in March 2022, their 10,000-supply Dutch auction sold out at a whopping one Ethereum floor price. The Genesis Collection World of Women is currently sitting at a 1.2 Ethereum floor price. And wow, World of Women Galaxy is at 0.12 Ethereum floor. I I saw a tweet about that yesterday. One quick thing to interject. What you didn't do the math there, Clement, is what 10,000 Dutch auctions times uh, one ETH is. With ETH at 3K. So, so, yeah. So that would be another, what, $30 million or something like that? So they've made, they've generated 40 million plus the original drop, which was probably a couple million bucks. Did they raise venture uh, funding? I'm assuming not. In, in terms of Ethereum raised, it's the fifth most ever from an NFT project, World of Women Galaxy. That's insane. Uh-huh. Don't uh, worry, though. The Sandbox game bought one of their NFTs yeah, 13 hours ago. I, I think they, <laughs> what they, they realized was was they gave up because they saw that this space is so incredibly sexist that they were just like, uh, we're, we're done. You know, we're, we're good here. Uh, we're, we're not even going to try to stand anymore. We fought the good fight. Well, I honestly... Although it's all dudes that own this project anyway, so... (laughs) Not all, not all. Anyway, being like, we're here to support women was the narrative that existed there, but which was complete bullshit. Well, how do you know? I, um, first and foremost, the only thing I remember about World of Women is they did have a lot of, like, good 
press in in like the public they were the new yorker wrote an article yeah they were doing a lot of big collaborations and stuff like that i haven't seen that anymore but in their defense like are these is it easy to get those kinds of things with nfts in a bear market now um uh i i'm not sure what the project is up to today so i can't say whether they're doing a good job or a bad job but just straight arbitrarily like could this be a potential good acquisition? I think yes. I think that this could be a project that if they sold it to new management that potentially had a new vision, like if they could get a, a Luke, like it, it, imagine if uh, uh, they got like the female version of a Luca Nets or like a Frank or something like that. Could, that, could you like have someone like that, like unify the project and, and like march it in a new direction? Um, yeah, I think that this could be a potential good acquisition. This is not talking any trash about the existing team because, once again, I'm ignorant on their doings right now. They could be trying to execute a really great roadmap, and I'm just not aware of it. But just like pure face value, like I think when we talk about rugs and acquisitions, uh, in the rug part's a joke, so everyone calm down. But we're basically saying, like, does this project have like potential or like brand potential? or like great art or great which is a good thing brand potential potential is a good thing yeah do I, they I like have signal some, acquiring it <laughs> yeah do they have some sort of pizzazz that like could let it you know continue pizzazz <laughs> or pizza pronounced wrong kicks <laughs> just, <laughs> just Look, i'm on the same page as kicks i think what they're struggling with right now is just you don't like it's there's so many projects in this space and it is not it is not the responsibility of every actor in this space to keep up with all the projects it's just impossible there's just too many it's a responsibility of the projects to make enough noise that people know what is happening and i think every project needs to find a way of being loud enough that even if you don't care what's going on you know what's going on and i think a good example at least for me was that I saw a tweet from uh, Memeland the other day where it had gone like pretty much viral, tons of views on it. And in this thread, it explained what Memeland was like, what is captains? What's MVP? What, um, what are, um, uh, oh, the, the name's gone, the third collection. Potatoes. And then, potatoes, thank you. And then what is meme token and how meme token will be used. And I was like, my God, that is so refreshing. Like the fact that I can even talk about it on the show now, uh, probably five, six, even seven days after seeing that tweet and God knows how many other tweets I've read since then. It's, it's, it's memorable enough that if anyone asks, I know what's going on in meme land. I know what they're doing. So I think for projects like World of Women, they, they, like, they need to be louder. They need to have a voice on whatever platform they, they they choose, probably Twitter would be best for like given the audience. And every day they need to be saying something about what is happening. And I think you know, like one of the ways that why why spaces work so well for projects and just sort of having sort of that media side to the business is because you have a reason to be out there every single day, not even necessarily talking about what the project is doing, but what is happening in the space. And so I think, um, I say this in the best of way, but I just think that, that like, there needs to be some kind of change of um, how the project is being managed, not necessarily change leadership, but change how it's being managed and have a much, much stronger um, focus on bringing to light what like what is happening there and then talking about other things and having a reason that people would want to go to that eco um, ecosystem and actually listen to what they have to say that's what's missing for me 
Yeah, I mean, I, lo I love the analysis. Someone in the audience uh, whose takes I trust uh, DM'd me and said that they would put a $2 million price point on the acquisition of the ecosystem. Um, that is less than the number that was thrown out there for uh, OniForce and slightly more, or no, no, I guess less than Pudgy Penguins too, right? P Pudgy Penguins was like two and a half or something. Um, so yeah, I mean, look, the, I think it's a, a good opportunity. Um, you know, I think people are just looking for more action, more clarity surrounding what is going to come next. Nick, do you have any, any thoughts, anything to add here? No. Easy. I think the, the, the Actually, big thing, if I can, if I can jump in before, sure. Nick, I think Clemente. The, the big reasoning and, and what's going through my head as, as you know, when, when I was planning this segment is. I think there's a lot of, of founders right now that, that are, and I'm not saying if this is the case for World of Women or not, but a lot of founders that are probably just exhausted as hell and like maybe too in the weeds with what's going on within the business. And um, a lot of things are in the works, but it's hard to get progress every single day. And then you have holders who are very short-sighted possibly. Um, so I, I think that's my, my big thesis that we're going to see a lot of that going forward. And this whole segment is around like, hey, is what they've built in the last two years worth anything? And if it is worth something, what would it be worth? And how can they try to turn this around? And, and I think a lot of these OG projects do have some value that could make some splash in the mainstream. And I think World of Women could be one of those if uh, they, they could potentially brainstorm a little bit to change the direction of it. I like the take, Clemente. Nick, it seemed like you wanted to add something. I, I like this as, uh, well, a, a, a couple of things. One, this is an offensive conversation to the, the people running a business. Is You're basically saying, hey, team, you're not doing such a great job. Like, that's where we're starting with it. But uh, And they hosted uh, a great event, supposedly, at um, when we were down in Miami and uh, at Art Basel. The gala. Was, the gala. Um, it seems so ridiculous, but outside of that, outside of it being offensive, the real question here in this, the, the thesis behind this whole scenario is interesting because the question is, what's the value of an NFT project essentially like at its foundation with the imagery, with the, the IP, what is that worth? And that's something that's like uh, a challenging thing to answer. Like what's the art? I mean, there's there's the effort that goes into creating it. So you know the cost inherently in developing a brand and, and developing all the IP associated with just the, having the employees and everything else. Uh, it, it's And I think a lot of people would place minimum a million, two million dollars on any, uh, frankly, anyone that has like an active community that's developed IP, which has decent art associated with it. I, I think it's in the millions of dollars at a minimum associated with that. And uh, World of Women in particular really built a following there and did a great job with developing brand. The problem is, is that like what they have not known, and it's, I mentioned this the other day, it was literally people that have been aligned with traditional media have not seen proper execution because the reality is, is you need to follow a new playbook. Yuga is demonstrating that they're developing a playbook that sh that's more uh, representative of the opportunities that exist. And when I say like representative, it's not just 
Web3, take that name and throw it out the window. The bottom line is, is that like they're showing a masterclass on the potential of social media marketing, essentially, and what you can do when you can rally a community built on top of your social media following with a community that has stake a, or a vested interest because they've bought essentially PFPs and they've made it part of their identity. And that to me is like, what do you value that at? And I think it's worth something inherently just at its foundation. And uh, and so it's at least in the millions of dollars. World of Women, there's going to be like some premium associated with it because of their track record. The question is, is like, would a private equity company like apply that uh, right now? And also uh, anyone who's in the market for this sort of thing right now is a very niche subset of the market, which is why... Uh, you can probably uh, uh, expect a discount on what it's truly worth. My guess is like, I think that if I'm World of Women, I'm putting a market value of this at 5 to $10 million. And I think that the market's willing to pay uh, less than $5 million, basically, is, is where I would see that at. Uh, and probably in this, uh, a few million dollars, $3 million, $4 million, I could see... So worth uh, more than Oniforce and... Pudgy penguins, considerably more. It's it's it's, it's a, dim, a different demographic. Someone who would love to buy this, I think, is like Gary V. Basically, coming in and buying World of Women and associating it with. I forget the the women's magazine that that uh, he bought uh, or it's targeting women. I, I I'm blanking. Uh, it starts with a G. Um, man, I'm totally blanking on what it is. But anyways, he bought essentially an online publication that's uh, women focused. Pure Wow. Pure Wow. And I think him integrating World of Women into that sort of literally thing. Literally got wow in the name. <laughs> to, 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 to make, makes, a ton, makes a ton of sense. So I would not be surprised to see someone like him integrate those two things. Because to me, the combination of content with intellectual property is really at the heart of all these NFT businesses. And you see doodles and all these companies saying, we're now a media company. But where they're getting advice from is traditional media. And all along, the internet has been disrupting traditional media. And in traditional everything, we still have dinosaurs that are running a lot of those businesses. Where Mm -hmm. you think about the music business, when you think about the concert business, film business, good God, all all of those different, uh, the the movie industry, all those industries are still run by dinosaurs. So when you're saying that those people are on the board of your business, and it's a red flag. and and when you you have an unexperienced or in, sorry inexperienced uh, founder who's running that business taking advice from those traditional media people, I think it's a recipe for disaster. And we're seeing that play out right now. Instead, they're thinking long term. And and I said it the other day: traditional media and tradi- those businesses are built around short term campaigns. A movie's coming up. You see all the actors inside of that go suddenly end up uh, take interview opportunities. You can't get Brad Pitt to come on your podcast any other day. But if he's launching a movie right now, well, there's a chance that you're going to be able to get him to, to go on it. All of those, uh, the, the playbook there is very formulaic. And the problem is, and we see it with social media, social media and Yuga's doing this is a constant drip of campaigns, basically. You need a continuous commitment to content. And, and Doodles and all these people are saying, that's media. And then, uh, and then a bunch of these companies come out and uh, they end up dropping something every 12 months. Maybe World of Women ends up dropping something phenomenal in, in the next uh, year or two. 
The problem is, is that you're waiting on them to do that. And they've invested a lot. And frankly, from a startup mindset, that's just the worst approach. You got to MVP it. You can't make commitments longer than a couple of months. You need to release stuff. You need to get it out the door and see if the market gives a shit about the thing that you built because you have no idea. Ultimately, you have no like we idea. just did with the free NFT platform. If you remember, we were like, "What? What would a failure be of that platform?" And we were like, "If nobody mints it." I then remember I went on record. I said, "How about this? If less than a thousand people mint the first NFT, I'm going to kill myself." Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I went on record. Okay. And yeah, what's the upside? So, so it's like not. not yeah, we, we got platform, nothing, right? the platform lives or I die. There's oh, no in between. We got Luca, Luca Nets. I mean, look, this is an appropriate time for Luca to, to request to join the show. I mean, I, I have a hunch why, because Luca, you literally did this to the tune of two and a half million with the Pudgy Penguins. Probably the most notable acquisition that we've seen in the NFT space thus far. We bring up your acquisition of Pudgy Penguins every time we do this segment that I'm surprised that Clemente created for us because it's signing us up to get in trouble. But anyway, Luca, was there something that you wanted to add? Uh, first and foremost, thanks for bringing me up on stage. I've been looking. It's been a weird phenomenon this last week because I've been yearning to get on spaces and just talk NFTs. But it seems like NFT spaces are like zero dark 30 for the first time since I've been a part of this space in a, in a big capacity. I'm trying to get on the space and talk about NFTs and I can't find one. So thanks for fulfilling my dopamine. I kind of want to just double down on your point. I think building things that take a long time, um, you know, building great things take a long time. And that's just the nature of building great product. Uh, but you bring up an interesting point. There's a lot of things in between you building and shipping that amazing product that you can do for your community to keep them enthused, to keep them engaged, that I think a lot of projects have kind of mistaken on. I think a lot of people are waiting for one big moment, but what you don't realize is by the time that big moment comes, you would have lost all the attention and all of the desire to participate in that big moment because you weren't able to fulfill uh, the need for productivity and progress in between there. And I think this is probably one of the biggest Achilles heels that you see in big projects. Just because you're working on something big and amazing does not mean that you cannot be present and engaging and doing things in between there. And that can be as simple as, you know, uh -oh. if today I uh, don't do anything for Pudgy Penguins, well, at least you can go on the Instagram or the social media and see that we posted and see that we're growing. And I think a lot of people just misinterpret what it may be to just ship things on a daily basis that are not necessarily, you know, big moments, but something as simple as content can be such a solution for this problem. Uh, and I just wanted to double down and give my perspective there because I think you guys hit it right on the head. But I think it's something that's not spoken about enough. You know, just because you're working on something big, just because you're doing something amazing, and that's coming, you know, 6, 12, 18 months from now, does not mean that you don't do anything or be engaged with your community from now until then. There you go. Well, fantastic take, Luca. I mean, we do this show too much. We do the show Monday through Friday, 9 to 10, 15 a.m. Eastern time each and every week. We don't have lives. It's negatively impacting our mental and physical health. But you're welcome to come by anytime you're feeding to talk about NFTs. And we should probably, uh, if it's cool with you, get your book to come on a few weeks from now as like a special guest, a kind of scheduled thing. We can give away a free NFT on our platform when you come get everybody all hyped up. Nick, was there something uh, did you want to comment on anything Lucas said? No, I mean, 
look, they're demonstrating, they're, they're operating as an example of it. You know, what each of us do as our cadence to keep the audience engaged and excited is going to vary from one team to the next. And that's also what's awesome about this space is, is that I, I, that's one of the areas where I see a ton of opportunity for innovation. We, we're using our own approach to doing that. And I think a lot of other places, Pudgy Penguins is using their own approach. And uh, a lot of team Yuga Labs is doing their own thing. They're focused on games. Makes a ton of sense. Mini games that keep people in get like I love that uh, system. It's expensive, but they have a ton of money, and so I think that that's something that that makes a, a ton of sense. And it's inherently native to what they're offering. You got to do something that's native to what you do that ends up keeping that audience engaged. And I think Pudgy's a great example of this. Pudgy's developing IP, and you and and essentially your team has developed. Uh, is number one in the space as it applies to developing like meme gifts and things like that associated with it. You all are absolutely dominating on that front. And I think it's set a standard, you know, for a lot of other people that are operating. It's funny, like Yuga Labs like did one for Board Ape Yacht Club, but it just doesn't hit the same, I think, as the pudgy memes. Like they 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 just they just do a great job. Um so yeah, I mean m- much respect and, and but I also think it's like we need more people in this space that are bringing their flavor of uh, engagement and offering to the people who have bought in. You're, you're trying to give essentially your true fans, which is the people that own your NFTs, a reason to root for you. And if you can't do that and you only do that once every 12 months, it's just hard, right? Like it's way harder. That's why like sports teams do so well is because there's a constant cadence of them getting out and playing. And I think that that's, uh, that's really the key. Um, and, and there's very few people that are doing it. I, I think Pudgy's doing a great job. I think we're going to be doing a great job. And I think there's, unfortunately, only a handful of people that are actively doing that on any sustained ba- uh, basis. Even the ones that did it for like a month or two uh, last year, I think of Goblin Town and stuff like that. They did a phenomenal job for a period but it's hard to develop that system that enables you to sustain that. And there's only few, very few projects that are doing that. Pudgy is just one of them. Yeah, and I was muted. Sorry about that. I know Signal has her hand raised. Signal, some, some additional thoughts? Um, yeah, can, can you guys hear me okay? I've just had to come off the road coaster for a second. But um, it's, yeah. um, it's, it's one of those things that you learn, that at least I learned when you do product development. Like you, you think, build it, and they will come right and it's it's one of those horrible things that you go and you build a product and you think that the product you're about that you've built is is going to you know wow and amaze your fans your audience your clients like whoever that base may be but when you finally release it what often happens is that people come back and say no they don't like this or this should be changed you didn't get that right and at least what I learned in that journey was it's so much better to ship often and to just sort of do this thing where you release every two to four weeks something, something small. You take that feedback on and then and 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 then essentially you end up building alongside that community or like whoever it is you're serving. And I think everything that you said, Nick, was completely spot on. And it's just it's just it's much better to test with something as small as gifts and then build on gifts and try and think, okay, I'm going to go and build an entire marketplace because, you know, the idea is that we'll have a gift marketplace. And then you find out that actually the market doesn't want it. And I think while the women or any of these projects which are in that position just need to find a way of being able to ship something maybe every two to four weeks that the community feel that they're involved in, that they can even play in like, you know, anything just like 
all people want to feel is that the PFP they own is even if the price is low, right? I know that's not great, but even if the price is low, you feel involved and that you're contributing and that you're having a conversation with the founders and the rest of the community, especially in the bear market where right now there's just not that much activity. I think like there's a lot of creativity and imagination and uh, that can be used to create these small products or services or whatever that delight along the way to the big finale. Um, so that's where I think they can also uh, um, improve. Love there's the ana- a, Go ahead, Nick. Last saying, there's a saying in, uh, I guess, in the grassroots space, which uh, w- which would be like, think global, act local, which is like, so, I mean, it's such a common saying. But uh, in terms of, um, I think the same thing goes with startups. And we see a lot of people with a lot of capital here, which view that, I'm well capitalized, so I can think big. But I think it's think big, act small, like act progressively, release progressively, essentially. And that's the thing that's, uh, I think, really missing from uh, a lot of these startups. We're going to see it, and uh, you know, we feel that we're we're in that space. We're on the we're on the front lines with uh, we believe with them, and we think relatively like we're way less capitalized than like a world of women or something like that. I think if we had a flood of cash, actually, it would have been a curse potentially last year. If we had more money last year, we could have made a lot of mistakes and become overcommitted to things that we we feel the stress and pressure of delivering on, which we wouldn't have been able to, to execute on. And we've seen it happen with Moonbirds. We've seen it happen with a bunch of places. I think you know Moonbirds may be able to now get back to basics and go and develop. And I think this, I hope that they can. Because we can't have five people in this space developing things. Like, I, I want there to be a lot more projects that are able to like learn the lesson of the past year and uh, go and execute. And, and love the. In- go ahead, no, Michael, I, go I think ahead. you just brought up a great point. I, 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 I looked. I tried to understand why things were going a certain way in the space, and I think you bring up a great point where being comfortable is to be complacent, and to be complacent is to lose. Right. And an abundance of cash from venture and community can put you in a place of complacency and comfort. And you always have to feel like your foot is on the coals. If not, you're going to lose, especially in this space where it's incredibly quick. I mean, I've never been a part of something where attention dynamics can shift uh, with a flip of a switch. And if that's the case and that's the nature of the environment, which it is, you have to be in a place of uncomfortability. Uh, being comfortable is, I think, the root to a lot of the issues that we're seeing today because people are looking at such a long-term horizon that they're missing what's right in front of them. And so I thought I, I wanted to double down on that point because if you look at the landscape and why are things the way that they are, you notice that when these huge lump sums of money start to come in, th- people start to take a deep breath and uh, start to take action with less urgency and urgency sometimes is what you're needed, especially when you're developing a space that is new. I mean, we're, we're what, 24 months into this really? Uh, maybe a little bit, the technology has been around a little bit earlier, but a real 24 months of building, you, you, we do not have the luxury of being comfortable. Now is the time where we have to be uncomfortable. And I actually agree. I think, I think the recent market and the way things have gone for some people is really going to kick people into gear. I, I have spent the last week talking to a lot of founders and project leads, and 
you can sense the urgency. The urgency is now coming back to the forefront. And so I think we're going to see a lot of amazing things from a lot of amazing projects. And I'm looking forward for the amazing comeback, uh, not only for individuals, but I think the entire space just needs a big W. So. Yeah, there's an unexpected amount of complacency. Everybody that was around in 2021 literally just acted like they made it and didn't do anything and held the trophy and walked around with it. So I totally agree with you, Luca. Nick, go ahead. There were a couple of com- comments, uh, Rondell, uh, Sarah, Scrip, um, that, that were uh, commenting on what they've been doing and the donations they've been making and the impact that they've been having and that the community there is, quote, chill. Uh, look, D- Discord is not representative of uh, of a whole community is the problem. You're, you're talking world of women, just yeah, world of women. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and, but specifically I, I don't, the, the distinction is look, I love donating to help things. And I think that that's huge to like stand for something. And that's, that's really, really impactful. I think a lot of people just aren't aware of it is the first thing we weren't. And so uh, it's saying, yeah, Hey, you should have done uh, more of a deep dive. Probably. Uh, I think, I think that, uh, I agree. The positioning though, is like the, this show is very focused on like pricing and action that you can take uh, and opportunities that exist. And I think right now, a lot of floor prices have been uh, deflated. Uh, and the question is, why? And what are the things that drive market interest? Yeah. Ironically, I mean, like it, since our drop, our, our floor has gone down also, which I, I'm uh, totally okay with. But the uh, I, I think that it is still a good question, which, which uh, the reason that I mentioned that is that... Uh, I haven't questioned that what qualifies me then to say, hey, this is this is the thing that drives uh, market value for it. But I do say the biggest thing is no one's if no one's aware of the things that you're doing, and if that's not the position that everyone like holistically feels, I just never see anything about it. And instead, all the messages I see is like, ooh, wow, like my my the NFT value on those things have really taken a a nosedive. But there's other projects that have managed to sustain that. And so the question is why and how do you what is that even a reflection of the project like that? That's a bigger question that we have to ask is like right now what we're saying and the whole premise of this uh, segment is that these projects aren't doing well. And what is that based on? The floor price went down and we should ask the question, is that representative of whether or not a project's executing, because right now on our own project, the floor price is down. And so I, I would say, is, is that indicative of uh, the us not executing? I, I, no, we just released I, something. I have a really good take here. And it's one that I, I leaned on other, you know, really top projects for kind of this advice. I, it was actually Zagabon mm-hmm. who gave me this advice because we were, had this conversation. We had a, a lunch and I asked him, I was like, okay, you know, floor price, I can't control. I mean, I can control it to the best of my, I I can put as much confidence and ship as much product and do the best job I possibly can. But at some point, if somebody owns 200 penguins and floors it, like that's a variable I can't control, you know, keep on cranking. And he gave me a really interesting perspective. I think floor price is something that I start to look at now month over month. I think that's a better metric. And if I go a quarter with like, Oh, then, then maybe there's a, a bigger cre- sense of urgency, but there is finite variables that are really hard to control here. I think the best 
a metric that he gave me and it's been the metric that I've been gauging since I spoke to him was just like community sentiment. What's the sentiment on Twitter? What's the sentiment inside the discord? Are people happy? Do people see you working? Obviously there could be one person who has a pessimistic point of view, but in general, and these are the moments that are more concerning to me. Like, do I go through my Twitter feed and see a lack of penguins atypical to what it typically is? Are they less engaged? And as long as the sentiment is positive, the macro stuff, there's a lot of variables from, you know, farming variables to, you know, maybe whale variables to macro variables. And so I I think the better gauge is sentiment with like a a sub pulse on like, okay, day-to-day fluctuations, it's just going to kill you with anxiety. Like there's no point in focusing on that. Like, how do you look at it from a month over month growth perspective as if this was like a publicly traded company? Like those are kind of the metrics that matter. What's your performance from a quarter to quarter basis, I think is a better lens. Uh, and I will also say like there, there's it, it, inevitably you just cannot control it. So you have to ask yourself from a founder perspective, am I doing everything I possibly can? Well, this quarter, the first quarter of the year, Pudgy Penguins is down on the quarter, right? We were at 7th, now we're at whatever, four and a half, right? Like, what can I do better to get us to, to improve that metric, to get us back on, on the uptrend on the, on the curve? But at some point, you can only do so much in that respect. And the bigger question to ask yourself is, are you working hard? Are you doing everything you possibly and physically and mentally can to push this company and this brand forward? And as long as the answer remains yes, and you're true to yourself and you're not lying to yourself and saying yes when it's really not a yes, I think that is the best you can do. I made a tweet yesterday basically along the lines of like, hey, people put a lot of money into this, you know, respect that responsibility. And what I mean by respect that responsibility is like, hey, just because floor price is down and some people might be out of the money, don't go and like, you know, try to pump bags because that's a really, uh, it's a lens that's not going to work long term. But like respect the responsibility in the sense that I respect the responsibility and I get up every day and I give this thing 14 hours of my day, every single day, seven days a week. That is the best I can do to respect that responsibility. And, and that's what I, you know, I think that is really the metric to how you gauge success is sentiment. And are you respecting the responsibility and giving it your all? Because at the end of the day, yeah, it's all you can really do. I I could not agree more. We're we, I mean, as a team that just released something, we're we're like incredibly focused on that, and I think and we're we're having calls with people. Uh, Pia has been having a lot of calls with people who are in the Discord. We've been speaking with holders. Uh, we watch a lot of those different things, and we get feedback. But the the bottom line is, there you the, your only option is execute and follow the the plan that you have in place. And adjust when necessary, but uh, if you watch the volatility and you let that guide things, you're never going to get anything out the door. Um, but I think your your other aspect, which I retweeted as well, is basically respect the shit out of your holders. Um, if if you don't if you don't respect them, and and you raised a good point, and and this is something we always say internally when we're having a conversation. I'm like, yo, four hundred dollars, like for us, that's like around what our price is. It's not a small amount of money. And someone who like stumbles across your show or whatever it is and ends up spending $400, that's a big freaking deal. Like I, I can't imagine another scenario in which people spend uh, that sort of thing on a new product. And in a case for us, like where they don't even know what they're getting, that's like, a, that's a massive deal. And so that's something that we've been, uh, we, we, I, I could not agree more. So I think you're spot on. I mean, look, well, I already said it. 
We got to wrap. We're, we're way over. We got to wrap. Yeah, we're, we're way over. Uh, we're going to invite we're you, Luca. Passionate about this. Yeah, we're, we're, we can have an entrepreneur roundtable show. We're way over. We're going to DM Luca about. Hopefully, uh, he'll be down to come back on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, that's our show. We do the show Monday through Friday, nine a.m. to ten fifteen a.m. Eastern time each and every week, where we discuss all things NFTs, crypto, technology, entertainment, gaming, and everything in between. Uh, if you enjoyed the show, make sure you sign up on our NFT platform, thenifty.com. T H E N ifty.com. We give away free NFTs most days. Didn't do it today, but we did it the last two days. So definitely sign up at the nifty.com. T-H-E-N-I-F-T-Y.com. We will catch you tomorrow, same time, 9 a.m. Eastern time. Show's also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, anywhere that you find your podcast. Catch you next time, ladies and gentlemen.